hitting it with a beatbox i like it i like it oh Uh, man welcome guys to another episode of the bitcoin podcast if you didn't know jesse Corey, and i actually sang that song Uh, you know and gibbs and we taught taught gibbs how to sing that song yep he's like how are you guys harmonizing so well and we said well have a seat gibbs we're gonna show. We're gonna show you how it's done here. Corey hit him with a beatbox, and then it was all downhill from there. That was Jesse beatboxing, not me. <laughs> that was you beatboxing, Jesse. Yeah. Oh, nice, bro. Hit him with the beats. I needed Sick. a little percussive mega, element. Mecca beat smasher. Anyways, <laughs> uh, welcome to the Bitcoin Podcast, you guys. I'm the host that talks first. The I am another host, Doctor Corey Petty. And I'm the third host with the minion in the background, Jesse Broke. He's hiding. Mm-hmm. He's hiding. I'm under under pillows and blankets. Pay, do your best minion impersonation. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know what they sound like. Jesse, you do your best minion impersonation. I I I I, I wouldn't be. The I person. literally don't know the the sounds that come out of their. their, their they, they say like banana. Oh oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh banana. Yeah. Huh? Oh banana. Cabrera. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, sorry, you can focus now. Oh, yeah, so uh, today we're talking about our favorite topic to talk about at the Bitcoin podcast, and that is Coinbase. Coinbase, <laughs> yeah, man, a future crypto here with us, <laughs> anyways. I don't want to alienate the audience. Um, so Coinbase is making big moves. They're going public. By the time you have heard this, some of you late listeners, you know who you are. We release an episode. Seven, eight days goes by. You're like, oh, yeah, Bitcoin podcast did something. Oh, listen to him. Yeah, we know who you are. By the time you get to listen to this, Coinbase will have gone public as a company. So yay them. Um, I, was, uh, I was on Twitter today because that's where I spend most of my social media time. <laughs> that's all. I forgot who it was, but it's like, just sitting here thinking about those 60 Coinbase employees that left because they weren't woke enough. (laughs) (laughs) You got to be more woke if you fuck with Coinbase. Coinbase. Um, All I got to say, Corey, is one, this is not one of the most, you know, this isn't a Negrodomus call. This isn't one of my crazier calls. But anyone who's in, like, has a thinking brain would have seen this coming, Right. They've basically been putting these yellow bricks on this road towards public, going public for, I don't know, six years. If you had to name a company that yeah. was deeply rooted in the cryptocurrency industry that was going to go public and it wasn't Coinbase, 
And I don't know what you're watching. <laughs> yeah. Um, but essentially, yeah. So they're going public. Uh, they're valid currently. You know, I think they're going to be valued at a hundred bill, and then it'll drop down to seventy bill, and then they'll shoot up to five hundred bill in the next five years. Somebody that doing your. Longer? No, it was not. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was your. That was the dinger to say you're right. It was a ding, 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 ding. Really? We have that? Nice. No, that was actual. The laundry went off. <laughs> oh. I am in the basement. I live in the basement. <laughs> Damn, I thought that was a thing. Uh, I thought we got the soundboard up and running. Uh, nevertheless, uh, yeah. Crazy so, how far they came. They were evaluated at like, uh, was it like $5 billion or $3 billion, $5 billion? Just like 20, is it 2018? Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then they were supposed to be evaluated at like seventy billion, but like now it's looking like a hundred billion. Well, they did. They released their quarterly reports this like just this last quarter. They've done more profit this quarter than they did all last year. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah. one point nine billion or something like that. Forget. Let's think about how many. Think about how deep their pockets go. Like just let's start peeling the rabbit hole. Let's let's go down the rabbit hole. Let's do it. Bitcoin forks. Who's getting all that money? Because oh, yeah, I know that's they're true. Not, I forgot about that. I know they're Originally, not giving it to They were. Um so like I got my most of the BCH that I have for Bitcoin Cash came from Coinbase giving it to me. For the longest time they didn't give anything out. And then they started giving um the more popular ones that they decided to carry. Uh, or at least they gave you an option to get it out, but you couldn't trade it. And now, they, since they drastically expanded their the amount of coins you can invest in on Coinbase, they, they uh, I'm pretty sure they give out a good portion of them. Like, granted, like I didn't get like BSV or Bitcoin Gold or a lot, a lot of the other coins that didn't really make a difference. Yeah, they're just not giving it to people, and they have it. Mm-hmm. Well, they're I don't know what they're doing with it. Exactly. What are they gonna do? They're gonna. I know. I know what they're gonna do, Corey. I, I can. I can think like some of those guys nowadays. They're gonna hold on to that shit long enough until nobody cares, and then they're gonna start. <laughs> and then well, they're gonna start using it. Does that mean that like it's worth something? It's definitely worth something. It's definitely. If anyone's worth gonna something. follow, if anyone's gonna follow legal regulation, it's gonna be Coinbase. Yeah. So they're, like, they're gonna, gonna they're it. gonna do what they need to do, um, to do it legally in terms of i guess ownership of like i don't i don't don't know what the regulations are here for like a being a custodian because most of the things that i deal with are you know proselytized are all non-custodial solutions yeah um i think that they're gonna do they're gonna wait long enough until nobody cares then they're gonna build a legal structure or that's why they just got these lobbyists by the way them jim and i and um one more person cracking i think they just started getting these lobbyists they're gonna create some laws and they're gonna finesse all that airdrop and all that fork money right out underneath all their users and they're just gonna have a big ass giant pile of money crypto money and they're just gonna love it like think about the airdrops think about how many airdrop how much airdrop money they have that's the, the, the fees associated with like trying to process all of those different airdrops it's hard to imagine that's worth more than just doing good business. Like they're making so much money just off people using their services. It's the, the amount of money they're getting from like 
random airdrops in people's things is probably insignificant. I even I even go to that. I even go to the actual legitimate money that they're making. I was just talking well, about that depends, right? Okay, so they're making <laughs> money off their cold wallet because that's probably on chain. Uh, but a lot of the stuff, like the hot wallet, I guess it has to be on chain. But a good portion of the funds, it's hard to know because they're a, they're a custodial solution. There's no reason for them to use the chain until they have to. So all of that, all of those tokens live somewhere on chain if they are solvent, if they're completely solvent, which I believe them to be. Uh, then I don't know how they distribute that kind of thing. Like that's a, That's a very hard problem to solve. Or even if they plan on doing it or whatever right because like realistically speaking none of the money or most of the money that they hold isn't theirs Mm -hmm. yeah that's That's true that's like a new money that's that's like a new bank right they they're paving the way for crypto banks um they are like standards on how to handle people's money especially when it comes to things like airdrops i got a crypto bank Shoot. How come wire fraud and wash trading are fined differently? Uh, what metrics are used by the SEC That's in order to. Yeah, no, I'm just curious. Like, because uh, Coinbase got. Yeah, pinged Corey, you didn't get the email Six million, right? Quiz. For wash trading, right? Six yeah. million is how much the SEC fined them. And they paid it, no problem. And then if you look at. Um, Arthur Hayes, and you look at a few other people who also engage in wash trading, and they're going to pay way more than six million, probably, right? So, like, what what metrics guide the penalties mm. that they are having to pay up that are kind of like you know that you know that they're doing some kind of like they're making mistakes in terms of uh, mismanaging people's monies. Um, but in terms of, mm-hmm. in terms of like quantifying, like how much is this going to cost if we like, if we move the price such that we wipe out everybody who's long and short and we profit from that, like what, what, what is the cost of that? Six, six million dollars. I would imagine it to be relative to the amount they can prove it was happy what was done i think that um cory needs to put his noise reducer on again and i also think that <laughs> it sounds like there is a 747 over my shoulder uh tapping on my shoulder i think that um coinbase can more than afford these kind of like petty petty fines that they're getting for wash trading. I know uh, to answer your question, the metric actually, Jesse is um, dollars per lawyer. Um, And that, that is what decides how much people get fined. So if Arthur Hayes has enough dollars and can divide that by the amount of lawyers that Coinbase has, you could probably get an equivalent fine. I was, I was going to say, cause like it, uh, they, they, they do a lot of volume. 6 million does not seem large enough of a fine. For them, well, banks don't get fined proportional to how much they're worth and the damage that they do. That's the beauty of being a bank. 
is you can do dirt oh, okay. and nobody just yeah yeah interesting i mean oh. all these super big banks that like jp morgan all of them every single year they're they get caught money laundering for like pretty shady ass people and the governments are like yeah we're gonna we're gonna you know what you're gonna have to buy everyone a pack of fruit stripes gum you bad bad bank you and <laughs> and nobody even cares at all nobody cares so these large banks are laundering money and wash trade they're doing all of the bad things and just not getting caught or not caring if they do get caught because the fine is a slap slap on the wrist you know all the bankers that almost totally collapsed the global economy in 2008 the u.s bankers uh nothing happened to them nothing happened to them what is going on with you guys Whoa, yeah, sounds yeah. what's going on Oh, 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 uh -oh. Oh, 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 no. Don't, don't talk. It. Oh, no. Don't talk. <laughs> Hold up. We're having technical difficulties. It's like somebody blew in your ear every time you talk. Jeez Louise. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of weird. So I think you're right. You're onto something, right? It's like but, uh, how many lawyers you have, uh, how deeply entrenched you are in the traditional financial infrastructure of like if you're the bank. Uh, it's the U.S., bro. It's the US. That's, that's kind of weird, though. I don't know. Uh -huh. Let's let's try to guess why Coinbase is going public though, because they make enough money. Why go public? HEB, the biggest grocer in Texas, is not a public company. They make it's enough money. They're risk. like, I don't care. It's a it's a, it's a risk move. Boom, my yeah. man Jesse, this smart use. Oh, use, I'm so dumb, but let's. You, I'll go along with you. Yeah. You. So they're distributing risk, and there's probably a large probability that some of the original investors have already bounced, right? They saw their end of the cap table, mm -hmm. and they were like, I've made my money. I've made billions of dollars. I'm out. Yep. I'm, you know, I'm done. So when that gets pulled out, what are they going to do? They're going to go public, get some money, you know, distribute the risk, you know, like, uh, you know. It's a good play. By the way, Corey, I hope. In your next meeting at Status, when you guys are talking about risk, you say, let's go ahead and distribute the risk. Just, <laughs> just peanut butter spread that risk, baby. Just, sorry. I get excited about spreading the risk. Uh, so what are the long-term? So there's got to be some long-term implications of Coinbase going public. It legitimizes the market, right? Uh, what about taxation? This is something yeah, I was trying to think about the other day. Like, uh, if you legitimately, all these companies are now taking Bitcoin, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a down, it's going to be a quick, not downhill, but a very quick rocket shot to Tesla's buying Tesla's with Bitcoin to buy in Snickers bars with Bitcoin. What is this? Using, Using your, your Fibonacci tool. What is your position with the, quote, rising wedge or, quote, symmetrical triangle and the, quote, descending channel of Ariana Grande? <laughs> Long <laughs> momentum to bounce to the upside slash back side. Oh who is that? Who, that is yeah, who is that? Who, who, who are is that you, in Slack? <laughs> That's not even in Slack. That's on YouTube. That is that is a great that is a great question. Uh, damn, Corey, don't what is going on with your talk. sound? Don't talk. Um, you might need to reboot 
sell Joe the bag the to retail. So Joe says he's they're trying to sell that bag to uh, retail, uh, which does make sense, right? You get a big old bag, and all of a sudden you can like, hey man, you know, mm-hmm. it does that works with almost everything. Like you, man, I just bought this pancake so, mix. I can make pancakes for so what's a penny next? of pancake. Huh? So what's next? What, who the people who sold the bag? Right for Coinbase, who are the early investors? Where are they moving their money to now? I wonder. Um, you know any of those people personally? Indirectly? I know. I actually Anecdotal? personally know Nas, the rapper, okay. who is an angel investor of Coinbase. And so what Nas, is he doing? Nas said, "I needed this money to make another album," uh, and I said, "Nas, I don't think that's a good play, bro." I feel like you only had one good album. Uh, it was the Illmatic. Everyone knows this. Uh, you know, you, you pretty much are done after that one album. You don't have to make anymore. He's like, no, bro, I need to do this for my family. Okay. So I said, all right, Nas, uh, do what you got to do. Uh, that's the only the only person I know personally that has that is invested in Coinbase. Uh, okay. <laughs> so... Well, okay. Audience, I don't know Nas, but I do know that he was an angel investor in Coinbase. I do know that. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the implications for the, the market are this, is that now that there is a, a stamp, there's, this is some huge stuff happening this year. So Coinbase is going public, boom, we got that. They're going to find a way to deal, to make it easy for the consumer to purchase small things with Bitcoin, right? Because they're going to have so much in this custodial exchange, this custodial, they're going to start offering services to the public that people didn't think of, which by the way, Jesse, are a lot of long signs of a bank, right? Um, Where you can have a checking account with your Bitcoin and you can make these purchases, these very, um, you know, I, I think I used my debit card five times today. You can make these, Purchases these small purchases. No, that's not including like automated shit. What's today? The seventh? No, no. Ooh, damn. Nope. Corey, you need to reboot your system. Is what you need to do. And then watch. Maybe you can swap out the mic for another mic. No. Okay. Uh. <clears throat> so another comment from the audience here. Queensbridge Ventures invested in the Series B of Coinbase, which is a twenty-five million dollar round. Um, Queensbridge. So what are they doing now? Let's see. So, so it's very interesting. Uh, I think those are going to be some of the services that they probably offer to the people, and even like maybe an easy way. And these aren't ideas coming from me; these are ideas coming from my like my new crypto friends. Like when you become the crypto plug in real life, you that people come from everywhere. And um, right now, I've got some really close friends that um, are really locked in; they're falling down that rabbit hole. And those have to be the things that are offered: is that ease of use for the for the retail, like Joe said. Push that retail up on. I still can't get over that damn comment, bro. Using your Fibonacci tool, what's your position with the rising wedge? <laughs> That's so bad, but so good. Whoever why me is, I don't know who that is. I have an idea, but that's such a good comment. All right. So let me ask you something, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Right now, if you weren't a student, you were working, what percentage of your salary would you accept in Bitcoin? Um, 
In Bitcoin, none. I'll ask it again. What percentage of your salary would you accept in Bitcoin? Well, I'll say it again. None. Zero <laughs> percent. Yeah. Why? Because I don't like Bitcoin. That doesn't make any sense. Like, why don't you like Bitcoin? These are questions people want to know. Okay, so uh, let's This see. is very ironic, by the way, because audience, if this is your first time listening to the Bitcoin <laughs> podcast, one of the hosts doesn't like Bitcoin, but go I on. mean, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that, uh, you know, it's uh, a little, 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 little too pricey for me relative to the dollar. Uh, I feel like my dollar can't go very far. No, seriously, like, okay, like, man, it would take me forever to, like, tell you all the details that make up my decision to not take any percentage of my income in Bitcoin. We are in a bull run. Why would you do that? If anything, take a percentage of your, of your salary during a bear market, right? That makes way more sense, right? I mean, I guess it depends on your time horizons, right? But I feel like right now, it's uh, it's the opportunity for people to maximize their 401k, Roth 401ks, their Roth IRAs, pump that shit up tax-free, and then invest in these new ETFs that are going to be coming out that expose you to crypto baskets. That would make the most sense to me financially with, with my salary, right? Because like the, the whole point is to get that converted into crypto exposure with like minimal tax losses, right? So, are you muted? Okay, no, you're not muted. Interesting, interesting. So, okay. Hey, it works. You're back. God, okay. It's a little bit poppy Whatever. still. It's a little bit okay. choppy. Better than, it's better than blowing in your ear audio. White noise. I'll be choppy today. I'll figure it out later. All good. The interesting blurring phenomena happening where the space between your feathered hair and your headphones <laughs> is clear and not blurry. <laughs> but the space, the space between my hair and headphones. Um, Corey, I asked Jesse. I have, a halo, I have a halo of clarity around my head. That's usually it's just, it's just the effect of being me. I like that. I wish that clarity would translate to your microphone. <laughs> So anyways, um, I asked Jesse a question, which he answered very abruptly. I said, Jesse, if you were a student right now, you were working, what percentage of your salary would you take in Bitcoin? And he said, none. Why? He says, it's a stupid move right now. We're in a bull market. There's going to be tax implications down the line. Why would so, I do that? So here's what my it. alternative was. I told D, maximize... Um, your Roth 401k uh, contribution, your Roth IRA contribution, so that you're getting um, tax-free, uh, essentially exposure to crypto, because that's what you're going to be end up doing. You're going to use um, the ETFs that are coming in the pipeline to get exposure to crypto, unless you want direct exposure. But I would only recommend taking a percentage of your salary during a bear market, not necessarily during a bull market, especially with the tax implications, the tax losses involved. Well, you lose based on you lose money based on your part of your salary going down. Then that's negative capital gains tax. Yeah, wouldn't that be capital losses? Yeah. 
Negative capital gains tax. Capital loss, yes. Negative capital gains. <laughs> Negative gains. But like like yeah. I, I think Daniel was asking, it depends how far market we are. Yeah, exactly. It just depends, right? Um, but like if, if yeah, yeah, like I don't know, in my opinion, until you have a really sound option for using crypto regularly and it's not just an investment, mm-hmm. taking a portion that you can afford to a bad idea if you just if it's just gonna sit. Mm-hmm. I'm oh. muting you, Corey. <laughs> the host that talks seconds technical expertise is not raining through in this podcast. What's going on, man? We got all these expensive devices. Look at us with all these expensive tools here. <laughs> Look at this. Going back to the uh, wind turbine. Sorry, is that better? Yeah, that's actually that's, that's better. better. It's fine. Um, it works. Something about my broadcast software has stopped working since like, yesterday. Huh. That's very right. strange. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So uh, I would do it, Jesse, because I know that, like, for me, there's a base minimum USD is what I call myself. If I if I had a metric of life, it would be what's my base minimum USD, and so long as I can live within that base minimum USD, it really doesn't matter what affect my other income and value is coming into my life i'll be okay so i most definitely would take a very sizable percentage in bitcoin i would take probably half of my paycheck in bitcoin you didn't you Uh, didn't tell me if i would take a percentage of my paycheck in something other than bitcoin though oh the is this guy okay we're not sponsored by bitwage but we we (laughs) we should be bitwage We've been we've been repping you for years, Bitwage. Get show us some love. I'm gonna wear your jersey. Uh, you know, uh, Jesse, what crypto would you take uh, your salary in, and what percentage? No, yeah, I'm not gonna <laughs> answer that question. But uh, I'll definitely not Doge. No, you're not gonna answer that question. Hashtag non investment advice. No, I just don't think like yeah, I don't want any any bias of of whatever I invest in to like mm. like through yeah. But I tell you, I just, you know, it's not Bitcoin for sure. All right. I know what I would be. Shouldn't I? Can I say that? Hashtag not investment advice? I don't, I don't think you'd want to. I mean, you can, but like, <laughs> I don't think, I don't know. What are you yellowing? What are you yellowing into, Jesse? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say. That's probably bad. You're right. It's bad to say. It's bad tact to say, you know, what. Yeah, like you use whatever you think is good for you but it's like what i was saying before i so rudely got cut off based on my terrible technical difficulties this game <laughs> is like, i don't know man like make sure you get your bases covered for your life then play around with crypto base minimum usd baby it's a great metric bro it's a great metric what's my base minimum usd all right if i can live within that then everything else is fun money baby I'll invest. You should but, be doing that anyway, like regardless yeah. of being in crypto. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing about base minimum USD though is this changes as you get older and it's more expensive as you get older. So all you youngsters listening right now, the reason why, why it's more expensive, I don't know, man. I just fucking paid out of the pocket for some spectacles. It cost me four hundred dollars. Damn. Like, you got ripped off glasses. <laughs> 
I like. I don't Nike. know anything about glasses. I know they don't cost I, that much. I like Nike. Okay. I have <laughs> oh, Nike okay, friends. Okay. Okay. So I get it. Okay. I I wanted my glasses to match my Jordans. Is something wrong with that? Uh, base. Okay. okay. Base that. minimum USD, guys. <laughs> base. <laughs> anyways, so so um. Anyways. So when, when you say, when you use the phrase base minimum USD, right? So for me, like I'm a single dude, I leaned out my life like I, early on, right? So like uh, when I was working on my own, I was paying uh, basically cost of living like 20,000, right? Plus or minus a few thousand. Mm. And then the rest, over. the rest, just fucking invest that shit, dump it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's pretty much like, I think regardless of whether you're investing your money into crypto or something else, right? I, I, I think that, I think that's a, um, what's, what's the word or the phrase that's a, that's a baseline, uh, standard practice. That depends I, on your risk, right? There's a good rule. Well, of- no, like, like what D is saying, meet your, meet your bare minimum for, you know, your life, you know, pay your, pay your bills, pay your, your rent. That's car. differentiated between for everybody, right? That's <clears> you know, <throat> what your responsibilities are financially in your life. Very drastically from person to person. Absolutely. So like, but once and, and from there also yeah. like the on top of that is like your risk appetite so like how much can you afford to not have like a comfort zone like can you have like in your in your life based on what your potential is to do in the future can you afford high risk investments because you can just work it back off easily in your future mm-hmm. real old people not necessarily can do that no oh, so absolutely they're not Living yeah, in a can't. situation where they have something they can live off of for the rest of their life, then high risk investments probably aren't the right thing for you, Absolutely. right? Like, yep. So you're real old game. and you have kids. Fuck it, YOLO, because they'll take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no, I'm kidding. Not, hashtag not investment advice. Oh. Um, <laughs> Joe, Joe, uh, Joe from uh, here we go YouTube. <laughs> That's <laughs> one kid's school cost for me. So there you go. So my case, my point has been served that the older you get, the more the costs grow. And that's uh-huh. just yeah. the way that it works. You got to minimize um, those costs. Not, I mean, everybody's different, right? But like, uh, I like cost minimization. Jesse basically said, don't have no kids. <laughs> don't have no kids, baby. You got to get like me. Hey. No. Uh, uh, so... Let's, Mutations let's accumulate faster in ovum versus sperm. What? What? This one? What? Huh? So like, so what I, the right, what I mean. you're on the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so women, women like right the uh, no, in terms of no, okay. no. All right. <laughs> Joe said I'm gonna sell my kids. <laughs> so okay. All right. Let's let's get let's get back to some crypto stuff. So, um. <laughs> actually it's very interesting joe brought this up t- like just today in the slack or yesterday and he was like the, the the crazy thing about developing on ethereum is you can make something this year that works and is great but then a new proposal will come along or a new standard will come along and then all of a sudden what you built sucks and then so my question i guess to you Corey, is does that mean developing on ethereum becomes this like never ending avalanche of always being expensive because if you develop something here in 2021 and it's awesome, but then a new standard comes out in 2023 that makes your awesome not awesome. But then I guess at the same time, 
that's just software development period like i feel like it's a never-ending hole of expenses as you're trying to stay current with uh whatever language <laughs> whatever joe <laughs> joe you keep distracting me it's good though i like it <laughs> whatever language is current whatever technology is current i almost feel like it's almost apples not apples to apples but one-to-one -one on how much it would cost to develop on in crypto versus developing in i don't know web 2.0 regular no. web it's not one-to-one -one. <laughs> no um and that depends on what you how you build and what you build right um and in a lot of cases you can build something that's that's incredibly useful and then the bucket gets filled up and what I, what I mean by that when I say it is uh, like the capacity of that particular network gets filled up and you start getting the congestion, the, the capacity. The capacity. <laughs> sorry. sorry. And uh, I'm not sorry. It's funny. And because of that, you start getting like congestion effects, which would those typically lead to higher fees if you're vying for some scarce resource. And because of that, you may be your your whole application may be worthless or like not useful because the what you what you would be considered like the atomic transaction is like the base unit or the base amount someone is willing to use your application for. <clears throat> Say you're doing things that do a lot of microtransactions. Well, when there's a lot of high fees, no one's going to be doing microtransactions. So, well, like in that sense, like what? Why was Top Shot up there? I don't know. I didn't put that there. I didn't do high microtransactions. No, they don't, don't do, yeah, so, do that. But uh, and then like what Joe is what Joe's getting to for this is what happened was they're changing the way gas is calculated at like a protocol level, and what what happens to transaction gas and basically the incentives along with the miners do, which in some cases hurts some applications based on um, what they're doing. Right, some applications are built based on the activity they know that they know it's going to happen in the mempool, and how people fight for 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 transactions. But at the in, on the broader scale, uh, it makes it incredibly difficult for applications like wallets and people building things that need to estimate how much gas it's going to be to 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 do any type of business. So, what happened was Ethereum made a choice to make it more easily um, calculated what gas for a given transaction is going to be, as well as take out some of the incentives miners are playing for optimizing uh, their own profits at the cost of others, in my opinion. Can I ask you and, uh, and, and, Hold on a sec. And because of that, it's going to hurt some people's bottom line. And so like you asked, like, how do you build on something like that? The answer is you'd be at adaptive. You don't... It, which is harder on a blockchain because upgrading smart contracts is incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. But like, sorry, like the, the way these networks work is that they're going to probably try, especially like Ethereum, it's going to try to optimize um, what's best for this, for the whole system and not uh, something that's taking advantage of the system. Mm -hmm. So if you're not in line with that, you're probably going to get like, your, things are probably not going to go your way. I see. So more expensive. So my my question was no burn fees. Maybe. 
Do, are you in favor or not in favor of? It depends. These being it depends, right? Well, because de we did oh, yeah. we did a lot of calculations on this at status about um, whether it's more economically viable or like beneficial to burn fees mm -hmm. versus um, pool that pool those fees and then reallocate them to better the development of the ecosystem. Yeah. Um, so what was the conclusion? The conclusion comes down to how well you can. Uh, analyze what the benefit of a given project is going to be. So, like, if you can, if you can do like a NPV calculation, net like net profit value, uh, like some of these economic calculations of um, what a potential project project's impact could have on economics, then you can start to make those decisions a little better. But there is a threshold there where, like, sometimes burning raises the tide for everybody because it's more scarce, right? And if there aren't any, what like if there aren't any, what's called a sink, basically a place for Ethereum to go and never come out. And you only have uh, sources where basis where Ethereum is minted, which is the blockchain, mm -hmm. every block, then you have, you have an inflationary currency and no place for it to go and sit and go away. And so in some cases, it's really beneficial to have a place where Ethereum <clears throat> goes away and never comes back. So what about which burn gives, rate? Which makes it more scarce. That depends. Like, I don't, I don't have... The answer. I, I think that what Ethereum has tried to do is have an inflation rate that is enough to meet the security needs of the ecosystem. And that is a changing, that's a, that's a moving target because the popularity um, value and whatever built on top of Ethereum is a changing target. But, it, but a sink is necessary. I think that you need sinks in my opinion. You need, you need places for uh, an asset to go Eh, it's not necessary. It depends on what you're trying to do, right? Like you have, if you have a fixed capped asset, I mean, yeah. you only have like a certain amount of tokens in a given pool, and those never change. Yeah. Then anytime you burn something, mm -hmm. it's going to have a lifetime lifetime impact on the scarcity of that asset. And yeah, if you keep burning, mm -hmm. if you continue to burn, then you may get to a point where you can't distribute that token in a way that's that's necessary for the economics of that system. So that's what I, that's really that's at the core of my question, Corey. It's um, if you want to make a, if you want to make a blockchain, like really, um, expensive in terms of whoever joins this, uh, this blockchain first and, and accumulates a decent chunk early on in order to make that token rise in, in, uh, value fast, you would, it, it appears to me, you would have a, a high burn rate and you would have, have a cap, uh, a circulation cap. But if, if you, if you, it seems more, I guess, less capitalistic to just have one or the other, not necessarily both. Both seems kind of greedy in my opinion. Well, I think it's a, it, these things, like you can have an application uh, built on top of Ethereum that burns Ethereum. It has nothing to do with any, anybody's decision. It's just an application you built. And if you can convince people to use it, uh -huh. For some reason or another, then that's that's Ethereum gone, or whatever asset gone. Uh, so what's nice about these systems is that people can build them if they want to. If they feel there needs to be more sinks, places mm -hmm. for Ethereum to go and never come back, and they feel there's a community that feels the same way, they can build it and people will use it. And there's nothing people can do about it. Yeah. You can do the same thing with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. It's like the economics around how the protocol does things is a, it's a, is a really complicated subject. And 
I don't think there's a right answer. It's, it's about um, figuring out what you want the token to represent and how to maximally create mm-hmm. a scarce token with inflation and deflation mechanisms that meet that need. And since like something as broad and open as Ethereum uh, is trying to serve the needs and requirements of many, many different types of people, deciding what the what what those rates are is like incredibly complex. Yeah. I think that I used to think that it was bad for crypto, and I don't even know if this segue works or not. But fuck it. I used to think it was bad for crypto that like money and the 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 thought of having a lot of money was the only draw to bringing people into the space. I was like, man, if that's all there ever is, is right. Because right now we've had two crazes that kind of hit at the same time. DeFi, which is leaking out to mass the mass public. Like, wait a second, you're telling me I could turn my dollars into digital dollars and then I get more do- and I get more digital dollars? <laughs> like, yes. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. It's, I, I mean, that's a simple way of explaining it, but yes. And then you go to NFTs where it's like, wait a second, you're telling me this thumbnail I made on PowerPoint could sell for thousands of dollars? <laughs> you're like, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, give, give it a shot. Give it a shot. Like Top Shot. Like the NBA is taking all this footage they already had and they're throwing it on, throwing nothing on it for pretty much. And having people buy footage they've already seen, like I, I don't understand it at all. Like, what? Why are you buying that three pointer from Jordan in the nineties? You've seen it like three million times. Why are you? Because you know it's unique. Is it? Is you like? I hope I so. I don't get well, it. If at Top all. Shots is doing what they say they're doing, it's it's unique. But I've seen that clip so many times. But I guess because I. But do own, you own it? Exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, so, like, what are trading cards? The trading cards are the canonical example of what NFTs are. But, Why do people but, buy trading cards? I bought trading cards because of the art. And that was X-Men okay. cards. Oh, really? I love them. 95 Flare. I bought them because the oh I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Yeah, I bought no I bought them because of the art and NFTs and art, and you get it. But nevertheless. I think I think like look at culture. So culture drives the early adoption, right? But then later on people get older and then yeah. they change, but the people who remain in those systems, like let's take Pokemon cards, for example, the only people who are trading Pokemon cards are not necessarily the kids from the nineties. They're the people who are like monetizing the exchange of rare cards, not necessarily because they like they're nostalgic about them, but just because that there's a market for something that's rare. So it yeah. becomes like more capitalistic, less fun. And I, I guess I see what you're saying there. And Corey, you're absolutely right. What I was getting at is like, I think it's okay that most of the things and the innovations that, that storm people into this community of crypto are based upon them increasing their value, their dollar value, their whatever value they live in value. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think what's being challenged is like, what is value? Um, it's and, all, not only that, I think you're right there for sure. It's also what intermediaries need to be in place for me as a person trying to gain value to get it. So like, like, if you take the music industry or the art industry, it's very rare that someone can make music or art, give it to people, and then they get paid for it without having too many people along the way making sure that they get their, their fair share, what they consider their fair share. 
-hmm. And a lot of these systems that are being put in place by Web3 decentralization, blockchain, whatever the hell you want to call it, are automating those people away and taking a much, much, much less cut, if any, in the process. Yeah. So now it's more about um, how much are you willing to learn? And that's the trade-off you're making. If you want to learn about it, you don't need any middlemen whatsoever. You can make 100% profits. If you if you don't want to do that and you want to delegate some of that learning and expertise to somebody else, they're going to take a little bit. But you're going to know exactly how much it's going to be. And it's going to be much, much less because you don't have to trust that person to keep making decisions. They're just providing you a technology to do it easier. Yeah. The, the the amount of value you retain in what was initially valuable is dependent upon how much you know, right? I think that's it's mm -hmm. basically if I reduce I think so. what you distill it down. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I don't think that's that I think that's really valuable because you get to then spend your time optimizing where you're spending your time and expertise. And then also and, and where you feel you it's not worth your time to do, you then look for quality connections uh to help to facilitate whatever you're not doing, right? You're like, if I, I'm going to focus on this, this is what I'm good at. This is where I'm going to place on my value. It needs X, Y, and Z. I'm going to find somebody who can do that and do that well and build and build that network of people versus like the, a monopoly that currently exists. And since there's so much greenfield of opportunity, there's so much value to be gained just by learning or trying to become an expert in something. And then, um, like choosing to delegate the rest versus having to delegate the rest. Mm -hmm. I think that infrastructure will be built very quickly though. Middlemen will always be here. Yeah. Middlemen though. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Middlemen are valuable to some extent. I think they're just better middlemen. I think it's it's more clear and transparent and an mm -hmm. a more yeah. open market yeah. for middlemen to compete against each other so yeah. that they're not screwing over the people who are actually producing things. Yeah, yeah I agree. A good middleman provides a need that that people actually need and helps people. It's not just not just skimming off of the top like a lot of middlemen out there, in my opinion. There's also this other thing. This may be where DeFi starts to lend versus like the NFT artist uh, sex sector, right? And that is uh, wisdom of the crowd and like and then pooling pooling small amounts into a large pool, right? And so what you're seeing is like the DeFi can maybe be summed up as a bunch of people pooling all their resources together and then collectively voting on how it gets used. How's the second market? How's the second market for NFTs? What do you mean? Second hand? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Like if I bought something. It's slower. And then I want to resell it. Slower. I don't know. Like OpenSea is basically a second hand market. What do you mean slower, Jesse? So like, uh, who, okay. So it depends on, so if it's, if it's somebody really popular, let's say it's a collaboration between Beeple and dead mouse, right? That's mm -hmm. like, seems, seems to me very, um, popular would be very popular. Mm -hmm. Um, there is more speed to how many second hands, like, uh, so the second hand market, once it's initially sold and then resold or flipped, there's a lot more flips that that will have versus somebody of like. Uh, like a B no. celebrity, they won't. They you know their their NFT that they create that asset won't flip as many times. So, so it's viable. Uh, just because it's kind of like it would Corey, would you 
what if you had the opportunity to buy a piece of art that Madonna owned, right? Then there's a high likelihood you could buy that piece of art, store the value in that piece of art, and then later on down the line, know there's going to be a market for somebody who wants to buy something Madonna owned. I don't know if that makes sense to me. That's art, though. That's that's why it makes sense. Like, if, if I took a tour of Jay-Z's house and was like, hey, Jay, if I buy that piece of art from you right now, would you sign this piece of paper that said that it was hanging in your house and it was yours? And he'd be like, So yeah. the first-hand market is like almost like a curation for a second-hand market later on down the line. It can be, yeah. Yeah, it, it depends. What's interesting that that you can do with this technology that you couldn't do previously, at least not nearly as easily and trustlessly, is you can build in the incentives in such a way that the content creators still make profits off secondary, tertiary, quaternary mm -hmm. yeah. exchanges. Yeah, like right? the 5%, 10%. Like That's um, Artemir, damn it. Well, yeah, it's a lot of it's, there's a couple of projects to this. We we interviewed one a while back that that did that. Oh, okay. And so amazing. like, and so, <clears throat> in the event that someone makes something, and then it blows up in a second or, or other market, that creator doesn't get screwed there, right? Yeah, and that's what you that's what you want. You want the creators, the people who are making things, to always have a connection to the things that they made, even if they don't own it in some way, shape, or form. So I'm curious to see how those types of markets start to take shape and whether or not they like change people's connection to the things that they're collecting and the artists that make them. Yeah. I think that's the coolest thing is there could be like a, like one, if you're an artist now and now blockchain exists and there's a platform or way for you to put your art or at least prove that you made this piece of art. And so that when it sells, however it sells to whoever it sells to, you as the original artist, you still get paid. That's what I think is really cool. And that's why that's why I keep hoping, Corey, you've heard me talk about it a lot. It's like, I hope there's another renaissance. I really do. I hope this fourth industrial revolution that Forbes and uh, Harvard Business Review keep talking about uh, spawns another renaissance where people are just like completely artistic and getting paid and making a living off of like actually exploring their human humanity uh, in ways that they couldn't do before because I could make a piece of art and say I sell it for 30,000. Cool. I'm the artist. I make 30,000 off my piece of art, but say somebody else who bought it then sells it for like 150,000 for some random reason. I don't know. Well, Hey, I could still get a cut off of that because it's on the blockchain and I'm the original creator of it. I think that would be really, Really, there's going to be a lot of shitty art out there if mm -hmm. that's the case. Oh, but there's a lot of shitty art out there from the Baroque era, and people are like, "Oh, look at this!" because it was made <laughs> during the Baroque era. It's awesome. I'm like, no, that's fucking dude standing nude in a pond pissing on a frog. That's whack. Nobody wants that. That's uh, whack. <laughs> I have this. I have this goal of mine. I have this goal is to turn one of the houses in my room into what like an art what? room. What it's going to be like the guest room, right? It's going to be. Hold on, did I say houses in my room? Yeah, you did. You did. Oh, my bad. One of the rooms in my house. <laughs> I got a, I got a real bit. <laughs> anyway, and one of the rooms in my house, so like an art room, it's probably like the guest bedroom, uh, but only fill it with like crappy art, <laughs> but not like, but not like let on that I think it's crappy. Like really let like, like frame it nicely, put pictures, like put like spotlights on it, make it look like I really tried <clears throat> so that the, the person who's in the room checking it out has to like look at their significant other and be like, is he 
does he know this is terrible? Like, no. <laughs> they're what afraid to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. Yeah, and then like this. Hundred years down the road, Corey, they're gonna be like, This art was developed during the fourth industrial revolution, uh, the automaton age. And you can see here, I think that triangle is supposed to represent countries. I don't know. Just said <laughs> hashtag well talk in one of these houses, one of these rooms, <laughs> uh, there will be art. Oh man, uh, well. I think it's gone a while. Should we wrap? Sure. Or should we keep going? Sure. I mean, there's lots of things we can talk about. We got a lot of topics here. We got. How long is it been? Got, uh, it's not even an hour in. We didn't talk about Signal, in. but then again, we don't know anything about it. So. I know a lot about it. All right. Well, let's talk about it then. Sag Signal. <laughs> do you, do you Dunning Kruger, know a lot about it, or do you know a lot about it? Well, I read their documentation. What is Dunning Kruger? Uh, people who think they know a lot about something, well, they're, they're too dumb to understand they don't know enough about something. Mm. So they think they know dumb. a lot. It's that don't. there's a curve. There's an early hump, right? Where you... Oh, they're too dumb. They're not intelligent enough to understand that they don't know enough. <laughs> Corey, just... it has nothing to do with they're dumb or not. It, it has everything to do with early... It has something to do with their intelligence. Absolutely does not. <laughs> oh, uh, it has to do up, with sir. getting a little sprinkle of information. And like, say I learn a factoid that Alaska is like, you know, the, the 48th largest uh territory i don't know fucking bullshit fact right and then i go oh now i know everything there is to know about alaska right that's that's dunning a dumb thing kruger. to say out loud that's that's dunning kruger right it's like you know like a, a handful of facts but then you think you're the expert on it right that's dumb that position as a concept well, what i'm is saying dumb I, i'm just saying <laughs> it's just uh it's, it's more of a meme intelligent anything. people don't do so the opposite uh thing like I guess I don't know what the word is for it, but phenomenon for Dunning Kruger is the imposter syndrome, where right that is the you, opposite. You feel as though everyone understands a concept as well as you, even though you're an expert in it, and though you feel like an imposter whenever you try and like impose your knowledge onto a given subject, because you feel as though everyone sees this as obvious as you, and you're not good at it, or or you're you're doing a job that you are uniquely qualified for but you think everyone is as qualified as it is you are even though it's not yeah so, so imposter like syndrome has everything to do with you think you're inferior and in reality you actually know a shit ton that's that's yeah. like imposter syndrome you're, you're you think you're intellectually inferior but in fact you are objectively actually like pretty much superior above average if anything that's so it's the opposite yeah and so there's an mm. aspect of dunning kruger in that uh, I, well, I, maybe this is the critique that people had or that he, that he said these things and it was, a, it was a critique on it was that, uh, people who are of lower intelligence lack mm -hmm. the ability to get to the point where they understand that there's more than they can do. So they project themselves as being experts in something they can never be. And, and you can't argue with them because they don't understand that there's more to it. So isn't the X axis of the Dunning Kruger just like information though, or like time? Like what's the what's the x-axis on the Dunning? Oh, we're we gonna we're gonna go into whether or not people can be naturally smarter than other people. Well, no, I, I that's I, I'm just curious, like to to know if 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 it if his intelligence on the x-axis or if it's just time and knowledge on I, the x-axis. I, I don't know off the top of my head. I'll pull it up real fast. Curious. We, we took a hard turn from Signal. Yeah, no, no. So tell me about Signal. <laughs> knowledge experience. So like the more you know, the less you 
Wait, feel that is the average of these two the, the uh, Dunning imposter or an imposter an imposter? It's, it's normal, normal everyday life. It's the okay. average. <laughs> Like, Do we know. have the Dunning Kruger existence. effect when talking about Dunning Kruger? Oh, we just probably bird. did. We, yeah, we, we just probably it. did. <laughs> bird, that was a comment from the crowd. A comment from Mr. Andy Meows saying, "Can you have the Dunning Kruger effect?" <laughs> anyway, about... so anyway. let's talk about Signal. So Signal, uh, everyone's favorite new uh, fashion uh, messaging app. That's what I'm going to start calling them because. I swear I moved to a messaging app and then three years later, everyone on Facebook starts joining it and I get all these random notifications like, hey, this person's on Signal or hey, this person's on WhatsApp or hey, this person's on WeChat or hey, they're, they're fashion messenger apps. And then when they hit mass stream, it's like, you know, you know, Becky's talking with Jennifer and they're out getting a white mocha latte at Starbucks with maybe one of those little, they call them cook, they call them cookies but they're really disgusting biscotti terrible uh and you know jennifer's like hey uh i'm on this new messaging app you should totes join it with me you should totes and it's signal where's the time with this? signal i'm saying that what i'm saying is like every three years people find a new messenger app because you'd like to know why people it's, like signal it's i would like fashion. to know why Corey. can you can i know because why it's fashionable oh god it's <laughs> one of them Am I right? Am I right? What are the objective and why is it fashionable? Yeah. Uh, because now it's claiming to be the one where you have the most security. Like, you know, people aren't. Why is it claiming that? Because it is that it's for the most part. I mean, like, yes, because it is. People can't <laughs> like the government doesn't know what you're saying when you're talking. All right. About here's it. here's why. Uh, so I think they're open whisper systems. I believe that's the name of the underlying um, kind of open source cryptography that was that was out. They released a protocol for encrypting messages back and forth, um, and, they, and they made it open, right? So anyone can see exactly how it works. Anyone can use it. This is why. And they built a, a messenger app based on this encryption scheme. And this improved tremendously uh, the ease of use and security of um, sending messages back and forth between individuals and groups. So that means that when I talk to somebody, I know that I'm only talking to that person. And in the in the um, possibility that someone intercepts the messages when I'm when they're being passed along the internet tubes to that person, I know the amount that be that can that can be compromised is incredibly small, and it's also incredibly difficult. So, the security of talking online to someone else was drastically improved by this protocol. It's X3DH and double ratchet. It's, Right, it's, so it's it's a whisper protocol, right? And they and they made it freely available to everybody. And so they made it they made an application for this, and they're on profit. And so ostensibly, the goals of them building this application is not to appease stakeholders; it's to make a good messaging app. Who is it made by? At Open Whisper Systems. Oh, that's signal, the company. The signal signal. I don't know what the name of the um, not for profit is, but. You can look at open. So, so status uses this. Like we we have implemented this in a decentralized context. That's why I know so much about it. I know exactly how it works. I know what it's, why it's useful. All these things. And what you saw after that was severe invasions of privacy based on centralized messaging apps reading and taking and and, and, uh, 
and censoring various messages or using that data to then serve ads to those people when they thought they were in private conversations. And they thought that was wrong. So they built a very good encryption scheme for making, giving you much, much, much higher confidence that who you're talking to is who they say they are and no one else can listen. Uh, and then with, because they made it open, everyone else claimed to do the same thing. So WhatsApp implemented the same thing. Uh, Facebook said they did. A lot of the other messaging apps basically say they implemented these things so that you have end-to-end -end encrypted chat. So now when you see end-to-end -end encrypted chat in a chat messenger, it's because Signal. And they've also done a lot for other encryption for digital messaging. So what they did, which is the news occurring to blockchain, was they recently announced, I think it was like yesterday or the day before, uh, that they have integrated a cryptocurrency. And they chose one called MobileCoin, which is brand new. Um, the TL, so I, I spent yesterday basically reading their technical documentation on to how this cryptocurrency works. And in a sense, it's a uh, version of Monero, CryptoNote is the protocol, that uses things like range proofs and Schnorr signatures, but uses the Stellar Consensus Protocol inside of Intel SGX enclaves. So uh it's not a proof of stake it's not a proof of work it is a i guess you can call it like a quorum consensus and they did that so that it could be lightweight and private so the whole goal is that it works on mobiles on, on works on mobile platforms mobile phones it's fast in order to confirm finality of a given transaction it's private people who are validating these transactions are looking at the network can't see who's sending what to whom hmm. they said sounds legitimate there's there's a claim that uh moxie who was a part of the development of mobile camp uh, moxie. moxie marlin spike is the owner or ceo or whatever of uh, of signal um he was a early advisor with whisper with a uh, mobile coin and helped um i guess advise on the development of the cryptography of how this works. And the, let, me, let me put it to you, the cryptography is legit. Like the privacy technology has been used uh, for a while and the way in which they chose to do it is is all legit, as far as I can tell. When I read all the documents, I'm not a cryptography expert, but so, I'm good enough to know that like these things are real. So uh, now what I don't like is the, I don't necessarily like the choice for uh, the consensus protocol on SGX, on, on Intel enclaves, but so everybody who's running Signal is a node on MobileCoin's network. No, absolutely not. So you need you need specialized hardware in order to be a validator. That's what the Intel SGX enclaves are. Now a lot of things already have this type of stuff, but um, I'm not. Yes, mean do you know? SGX, um, secure something, something execution. Exchange. Forget. Let me look it up real quick. Off the top of my head, I knew it yesterday. Mm -hmm. software guard extension mm. so basically it's a it's a separate piece of hardware on a device that um the outside hardware can't see inside of oh so it, it could it could pass stuff into it it's a, it's a secure enclave secure for transaction environment this is something they talked about at devcom like mm -hmm. years That's ago what it is. it's 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 intel's implementation of that mm.
Well, so more secure uh, transaction environment. We'll see how it goes. It, it's, it's just a cryptocurrency. Um, because it's a crypto note system, I guess there's potential extension onto things like multi-sigs and some form of constrained smart contracts, but I don't see that coming in the near future. And the choice for something brand new like this is puzzling, especially since Moxie was a part of it. I'm, I'm skeptical to, to, to the claim that uh, he doesn't own any. You got big bet, big fat bet. Because I, I would like to see a <laughs> proof of that, got which I'm bag. not sure you can do, right? I'm not sure you can do that uh, because the only thing that you can see is the initial distribution because the first block is open. It's unsigned, so you can see that how many coins are created and everything else after that you can't see. Mm. Is that bad? Well, it's no. good for it's privacy. Private. It's really bad for understanding who what the distribution is. Moxie it's impossible to understand who has what. But is that important? Is it important to understand who has what? Uh, how do you get mobile coin? Rug pull? Like, do I don't know. Like... Do you earn it? Do you <laughs> mine it? Do you? No clue. It's only available in the in the, in the EU, I believe, because of regulations. So, Mox... this, is this is just yesterday. I don't know. Moxie got a bag, Jesse. Moxie I, got himself a bag. I just want there to be one app mm -hmm. that is like super popular that See that whale? Use. That whale's named Moxie <coughs> right <Status>. there. <laughs> Look, let me tell you, Jesse, there's never that's never gonna be it. Dude, People I don't I have so many communication apps on my phone. I don't even know like don't even want to know. I don't Do even know, know credentials to all of them. Do you know why, bro? Do you know why? Because we can't so pick stupid. up a phone and call people no, anymore. Do you remember? What are you, you eighty years old? <laughs> no, do you, yeah. Who's you, do you say phone? I know. Right? Here, oh, I'm so old, here, grandpa. Wait, text messaging, and you're still like a boomer. You better text me. Uh, so, oh man, you remember when you were kids, like young, young kids? No, I'll I'll tell you exactly why. If you've read the book Lord of the Flies, you know why. Uh huh. I I, I I I don't remember. The book Lord of the Fries. Flies, Lord, of flies, like, fries. Lord of the Fries. I have I have the book actually. I I don't remember reading it's it. It's a great though. book. I was forced to read it and ended up liking it. Thank you, English teacher, for being okay. consistent with me. He was being hard headed. Uh, basically, is... a bunch of kids get left on an island and with no parents, and within a very short period of time, they start developing factions and and like government govern governance and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, clicks are clicks are clicks. And that's why no one, there's never going to be one messaging app to rule them all because people are going to be like, come join my little click. I use this messaging app or I'm on that messaging app. So there's always going to be a new messaging app and there's always going to be a click of people that go to it. Like right now, if Kim Kardashian and her sleuths were, were using some sort of messaging app that nobody else had access to, and then all of a sudden more people had access to it, they'd be fucking, fucking just climbing the walls to try to push that button and download that app. Because they'd be part of that click. That's part right. of it, but that's not the only motivation for using different things. I didn't say it was the only motivation. I said it's a large motivator, though. Because as soon as everybody gets on Signal, three years from now, there's going to be another app. Uh, so that app's going to be Signal. Status, baby. No, I'm playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, buddy. Uh, the thing about Signal that I kind of like is that, um, I hope they keep it this way is that they've designed it in such a way because they aren't basically at the at like held by the balls by their stakeholders 
uh, and like a traditional tech company. Is that in such a way that they're not trying to optimize for your attention? In fact, they're trying to do the opposite. They want you to use Signal for only the amount of time it takes you to do what you need to do in Signal and nothing more. Whereas every other piece of tech company almost out there is designed to keep you in their application for as long as possible, doing whatever, who cares? God knows what, they don't give a shit. If they can keep you in the application, then they're winning. And that is a terrible societal consequence. Mm -hmm. I just don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I skimmed an article regarding like how Signal is used, I guess, practically. Uh, and and like the features, messaging. yeah. So it's that's like, it. that, that seems like, like I would, I use Discord, right? Discord for me does like everything I need. Uh, well, it, communication does, it does voice and video chat. Yeah, it, it, does. Does, it does. I can upload a hundred megabyte files, like multiple, right? So it can store mm -hmm. files. For no, me. I'm talking about, you can do that. You can do it on Signal. You can do voice and video on Signal. Like how much, I, I guess like, as much there's as also you. bot integration that Discord does very well. There's also oh. roles. There Discord is built for something differently. Discord is built for something that different. I like communication apps that are built for community and some I level agree. of transparency. And so like, I, I, I like the, I like the features of anonymity that signal provides, but like, I just want this mm. one app. Just to, still like, need a I phone wish... number. Yeah, I know. That pisses me off so bad. You still need a phone number to sign up, which is not something that's, that's just dumb. But I get why they did it. It was useful for bootstrapping a, a user base, and they say they're moving away from it. Um, these phone numbers are so terrible as an identifier. Yeah, I agree. But uh, it's pretty we'll good. We'll see how I it goes. Know yeah, how that's big, big news. It's, I want to know how big Moxie's bag is. That's what I want to know. Fat. Moxie, I fat need fat to have huge. a conversation with you. <laughs> Gord, like, huge. He tells me it's not. I'm going to tell him he's a liar. Yeah. Tell, ask me how big my status bag is. It's big. I work for status. I, I am incentivized to have a big status bag. Yeah. I believe in the, I believe in the system. It's Why would I not have it? Like, yeah. It's, yep. It's like, it's like working for Microsoft and when they're like, yeah, you want these stock options? You're like, you know what? I'll pass. Mm. I will pass on those stock options. Just like Charlie Lee, get rid of his Litecoin because you want yeah. to be better for the community. Fuck out of here. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Moxie got a big ass bag, point blank. Period. Especially with a name like Moxie, because they're gonna be like, "Man, this is some Moxie like shit you doing out here." Moxie, like, yeah, I got a big ass bag of mobile coin out here <laughs> in these streets. Ain't no I'm, I'm waiting for that proof. Yeah. Let's see how it goes, oh, man. Yeah. The USS Moxie's bag is gonna be the name of his yacht. That's the that's that's that's, that's good way to wrap this up. Anyways, wrap this giant episode uh, in, the, in the in the bag that Moxie has. Oh, I only got thirty seconds to do this. Dang, you put so much pressure on me, Alicia. Hold up, let me. I need another timer. All right, so let's do some shout outs, y'all. Well, first of all, we're gonna say some stuff. Uh, you can become a patron if you like. If you become a patron, you get perks, all kinds of perks. Go read them. Go read the perks. Um, here's one thing we're doing. Um. We're going to give away 100 bags of Flamin' Hot Cheetos. Family-sized Flamin' Hot Cheetos. One. What are you talking Hold about? On. One person. So one person. Right? One person. <laughs> uh, we're going to give away... <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> How's it going to put that out there? <laughs> How's it got a big-ass bag? Uh, so... <laughs> 
So we're going to give away 100 bags of family size, not party size, you greedy, greedy mofo, family size bag of uh, Flaming Hot Cheetos to one subscriber of the YouTube. We're trying to get to 1,000 subscribers. We're starting We're starting low. I know you go to some YouTube channels and they're like, hey, guys, we're making it to 5 million subscribers. <laughs> we're going to buy you three houses. Like, no, we're not at that point. We're not even trying to be at that point. All right. We just want 1,000 hardcore subscribers. So share this with somebody you know that's going to listen to an awesome crypto show. And you know ours is awesome because you're listening to it now. All right. And then one in those... 999 because uh wayne has already recused himself from winning uh can i participate i don't know no <laughs> damn it there's actually like one in 900 you should definitely subscribe though 90 yeah <laughs> like one in 990 of you subscribers is going to get an opportunity to win 100 bags of flame not cheese i know what you're thinking i don't need 100 bags of flame not cheetos well you're wrong send, send one to me yeah you're wrong uh, you know, and Jesse likes to cook, so he can smash them up and like dip. Also, we don't care. Up. You're getting them. Yeah. Like, damn, I don't even like Cheetos. <laughs> That's why it's well, funny. You sign up for this. You know I hope Ken gets it. All right. I hope Ken gets it. If you're listening, it's like a hot potato, right? Yeah. It's gonna be great. Join the Slack. Also, you can go that, to the Bitcoin Podcast. That transparent background didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? What do you mean? Super transparent. Super transparent. Don't you don't you see the tiles? I mean, it's just transparent. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. They got brought in like a, as a JPEG or just some non-transparent uh, image type. You can join the Slack on the uh, the BitcoinPodcast.com. Join the Slack. You can also do all the things from that website. Um, you can dive into our old libraries. We we kind of archived our other podcasts, but I think that we should not. Right. I mean, you still find them on the website. No, you can't. It's just it just shows the Bitcoin podcast and hashing it out. Google it. Yeah, you gotta Google it. But what kind of steps are those? What kind of you user? Just, there's a, the search inside of the thing work. I'll I'll fix it. Whatever. What kind of user story is that? You I'll gotta, fix it. It's you good. Can, you can find it, but you've got to <laughs> you got to go this special route. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Anyways, we got a lot of shows on there. Uh, if, on iTunes, right? Uh, you can um, give us five stars, and we're very serious about this. I've saved my curse words this episode, so I can say this one thing. If you are thinking about giving us a four-star review, you can go fuck yourself, okay? <laughs> we want five-star reviews, all right? Five. Not four, five, all right? Uh, um, I can't wait for the reviews to come in. We're going to get, like, one-star reviews. It's just, <laughs> I hope they're all fours. Just gonna troll say, us. Go screw yeah, yourself. We get all straight fours. Uh, shout out to uh, that is Lori Harvey. You're doing your thing, girl. Not many people can rock half a shirt like you, like that, but you're doing it. Um, it's not even a crop top, it's a shoulder crop. Uh, shout out to old wide face Zoe. Doing oh, her thing. face is fixed. Oh, wide smile. It's still pretty wide. That was a wide <laughs> smile. It's still a pretty wide smile, even though that's right a naturally back. wild smile, though. Yeah, it's good. She's a very pretty lady. Uh, shout out to um, Doja Cat. Good looking on you, girl. That red hair is fierce and shit. Good looking at you. Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Shout out. The only reason we shout out you, homie, is because you date Lori Harvey, which is quite a compliment <laughs> for you. Even though you are a world renowned Michelle Obama. 
You're doing it, girl. Look at that smile. Look at that smile. Did you see that smile? It's a good smile. It's first lady right there. All right. Shout out to... Uh, Who's she? How dare you? That's Gabrielle Union, my friend. Oh, married to uh, Sir Dwayne Wade. Oh, and okay. also premiere actress. Uh, she played Sid in Bad Boys 2 and also played Sid huh. in the not well-known television series spinoff of the Bad Boys franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. Damn, what's the name that? of that show? What was it called? You know, you can't stop the flow here. You got to keep it going. Oh, it makes it look what's better. the name of the show? I've got the name of the show. <laughs> Uh, that is, let me get this right, Alicia. That? that is Jasmine Tukes. Uh, sorry for all the people who are listening to us and not watching. Yeah, you should subscribe to YouTube, you non watching listener. Uh, shout out to Jasmine Tukes. Uh, shout out to Lil Nas X. Yeah, uh, you know, he's made a lot of people uncomfortable the past couple of weeks, but <laughs> it's what it is. He's doing his thing. Uh, you know, horses oh, in the back, you know. Uh, <laughs> in the back. Shout out to Lapita Young. Oh, <laughs> you're like right? Lapita Nyongo. I think we I got know. that. I think uh, I got that. Y'all looked at me like, "Why are you asking me, bro?" Five. Look at that. Hey. It's a five star review right there. We were talking about do more of that. We need more of that. Okay. Yeah, we need more of that down there on the iTunes. Uh, and Kat Graham, shout out to you, girl. Uh, you're doing your thing. Look at that outfit. You see what's going on there? That's confidence. All right, guys. That's all we shout got. Shout out section that's got really long. Yeah. I didn't anticipate this either, but I love it. <laughs> I love every minute of it. Um, play the outro.